This is Friday Night Frights, brought to you by Starburst Magazine. Hello and welcome to Friday Night Frights, the weekly horror podcast from Starburst Magazine. I'm John Tolson, and my guest tonight is Scott Derrickson, director of Sinister. New details today in the grisly murders of a local family found earlier this week. I didn't want to move here. We couldn't afford to live in the old house anymore. Plus, the new story I'm writing is here. Is the story a good one this time? I'm going to write the best book that anybody's ever read. I got a really good feeling about this. <laughs> Do you show your films in sort of previews the way that um, studios often insist? Uh, you know, we did that once uh, with this film. Um, you know, our our uh, U.S. distribution was dependent the the how wide our movie was going to be distributed in the states was dependent upon reaching a certain score um, with a test audience, which, you know, we went pretty far beyond that score, which was great. Um, but I didn't, I didn't use um, that screening or any um, subsequent, subsequent screenings to sort of test out these things and, you know, make sure that, that things were working or, you know, there was, there wasn't a lot that uh, I got from the test screening that I didn't already have. You know, I didn't get a lot of information that, that resulted in changing anything. Well, I, I was listening to a, a podcast that you did with Kevin Smith on um, his Smodcast. Yeah, which is a, that was fun. Yeah, it's a, gr- it's, a great, um, it's a great podcast, and for readers, I'd definitely recommend they listen to that. Um, f- to get all of the sort of background on your career and your sort of personal background and stuff, and a lot of your philosophy comes out in that interview and it's really interesting but um i know that you you kind of grew up in a movie going family didn't you and I did. you're, you're what we would call over here in britain cine literate i don't know if you have that term over there but you no know, it's, it's a good it's a good term <laughs> uh you know we, we i'm certainly i'm called a cinephile you know yeah, and, I, cinephile, and, I, and i teach yeah. film history so you know at the college level so i i'm about as cine literate as, as it gets i suppose well, somebody who knows a lot about films, seen a lot of films, but also brings that to to, to bear in in the actual making of their films. And what I wanted to ask you was: it, this talent that you have, which is undoubted, I think, for horror and for and creating a sense of horror in your films, is that something that you've consciously developed, or is it something that you feel you've kind of had right from the beginning, or a mix of the two? Um, it's a, it's an incisive question. Um, I think that, that, uh, it's certainly both to a certain degree. I've had, I've, I've certainly developed it, um, you know, with, with the films that I've made and by studying what's actually effective, um, in scaring people in horror films. Um, I mean, if you look at my first, Hellraiser movie that I did, it's actually not scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, then those movies really aren't scary in general as a franchise. They're more gory than, than scary. Mm. But I think that, I think that, um, that 
the reason I've been able to develop it and learn it, um, you know, is because of my, just my personal understanding of fear and the emotion of fear and that I've spent such a good portion of my life reckoning with my own fears and continue to do so, you know, and have experienced some pretty, um, extreme, uh, levels of fear in my own experience. You know, I, I think, I think that, that qualifies me to, to become, you know, good at it. And, and it's why, um, why it's effective because the stuff that I do, you know, in the case of, of certainly in the case of, of the exorcism of Emily Rose and sinister, the, the, the objective that I always had setting out to create, you know, that material into, and, you know, both in the general concept, but then right down to the beats of every scene was to make something that I found genuinely scary, something that really disturbed me or really scared me. And I knew that when I, I knew that when I was feeling uncomfortable, um, in dealing with something conceptually or, uh, even in the minutia of editing it, when it started to really make me feel uneasy, I knew that that I was onto something. Yeah. <laughs> you know that it was that, so. The bottom line is, I know a lot about fear. Um, I think it's an incredibly powerful and 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 complex emotion that isn't um, explored in complicated ways, typically even in horror films. Mm-hmm. So, so my gravitation toward the genre. Um, I love horror films, but they're not. They're, they're, it's not like I love that genre more than other genres. I just think it's what I'm good at. You know, mm. it's 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 a skill set that I happen to have. So um, so I've I've continued to invest myself in it because it's it's the thing that that at least up to this point I've been able to do better than other things. Well, in Sinister, you have this kind of idea of evil ca- captured or contained and transferred by images, um, be they photographs or Super 8 film, which is kind of a, almost a kind of ancient primal fear, isn't it? It's a fear that other civilizations have, the idea of the soul being captured in a photograph or something like that. Yeah, what, I mean... What, I, kind I, of drew, I, what drew you to that idea? I mean, I think part of it's what you just said, that there's a primal quality to it, you know, that... Um, that uh, be careful what you watch, you know, that, 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 that the, I, it, there's something that, that is primal, you know, going all the way back to, you know, pre, the, the prehistoric artwork. You know, I saw Werner Her- Herzog's movie, uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams, and it got this extraordinarily innovative and, uh, and uh, uh, ambitious, beautiful artwork in these cave. Oh, hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm still. Uh, uh, sorry, I thought I lost you there for a second. Uh, the, this beautiful artwork that's you know in these caves from thirty thousand mm. years ago, and yeah. I'm sure that that's you know whoever the guys were that were creating that, there were other people that were disturbed by some of those images because some yeah. of the images are disturbing. Sure. And and I think that in the modern era, we I think that the good horror inevitably comments. On, on the mo- on the on the times that it's made in, you know, whether that's consciously or unconsciously, and in this case, I think Sinister's kind of great contribution, if nothing else, is that it, that it's 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 one of the handful of films that really is effectively tapping into um, the day-to-day position that we find ourselves in, which is we're all sitting in front of our computers with a glowing screen at night in the dark. Everyone does it. 
and that wasn't the case even 10 years ago. You know, the ring tapped into the fact that we were all, you know, now starting to not just passively watch TV shows at 8 o'clock at night, but that we were, you know, taking these videotapes and watching them at all hours and watching them in groups. And, you know, and the, the, there's something about, um, about the, the personal private exploration of imagery that is uh, a severe, you know, reality mm. now beyond anything that 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 human beings have ever been have ever had, been a part of. You know, we just it's a new thing. You know, there's no place in in all of human history like like the, where, where we see people doing what they've been doing now for the last five ten years, which is log just countless hours perusing imagery in in the quiet darkness of their of their home space mm. yes yeah, certainly that that would be the case wouldn't it with the with the ethan hawk character and he, he just becomes more and more isolated even though he's within his family isn't he and there's that kind of sense that modern families are all kind of isolated with their own homes in front of computer screens and I think that, and I think that that's why one of the, I think that's one of the main reasons why the movie connects with audiences. I mean, you have to have scary imagery and you have to have effective execution of suspense. But but before before any of that can work, you have to have an audience identifying with the character and 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 understanding the situation that they're in. And and I can't think of another movie that demonstrates that nighttime quality that we all seem to participate in sure, now, sure. you know, you know, which is, which is just sitting alone in our, in our offices or our bedrooms or wherever it is that we are. And, and again, just, you know, looking at images, staring at images, scrolling through, uh, words and pictures. And, yeah. and so that, when that turns, you know, supernatural and evil and, you know, that it, it, it's something that, that scares an audience, I think more than, uh, than uh, something that they can't relate to. Well, it's very much Ethan Hawke on on his own, is he? Isn't it against the evil? It's just him, really. Uh, it, has, it is, has, and, and has yeah. to confront it. The, the, yeah, exactly. The, there's um, there's also the other aspect to his character, isn't he? Which is that kind of sense of failed ambition or trying to recapture success. And I wondered if there was a kind of greater theme that I think. Also, kind of Emily Rose shares in the Laura Linney character, which is you have these characters who kind of start out desiring this sort of material success, material wealth or, uh, you know, uh, fame, success, whatever it is. And they kind of gradually begin to realise that there are sort of forces outside of the material world that are sort of playing on them uh, that, are, you know, greater than they can control can control, in fact, are sort of controlling them and controlling their fate. Is, is that, was that a, a, a theme that you were conscious of or agree with? Or? Oh, well, yeah, very much so. I mean, I think that, that um, you know, in, in both cases, you're, you're right that it's, it's about um, elevating... Uh, uh, you know, e- elevating something above materialism. You know, because I think materialism, the materialistic tendencies of the culture are are so uh, awful and and 
old um, and worthless. And, you know, I think that the things that matter in life that are the most significant things in life um, on a personal level are not, are, are not material things, you know, I mean, I have tremendous appreciation for material, for the material world in terms of science and in terms of health and, you know, and all of that. But those things are only as worthwhile as they take us into something that's much more immaterial joy, you know, love, these, these sorts of things. In the case of Emily Rose, you know, it was a very conscious didactic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, attempt to posit materialism versus, uh, you know, the existence of, of the demonic, you know, yeah. and something, something, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some otherworldly entities and otherworldly realities and the implications of that are, are, are in the movie. In, in this one, I didn't want to do that at all. I mean, I certainly didn't want this to be a materialism versus, you know, uh, you know, versus an immaterial supernatural world. It's not yeah. really that. I mean, that's yeah. in the movie, but that's not the point. The point is, you know, materialistic values and valuing ambition and status and things like that, which are virtually worthless mm. compared to, you know, valuing uh, things that are so much more important, family, marriage, um, you know, and in the case for a writer, the work itself, you know, these things that are more, that are more immaterial values. And, and that is kind of my thing, I think, you know, is it just as a, as a person? And I don't mean it as a point of pride and I certainly don't mean it to be condescending, but I just don't think, I think that on the, on a, if there's a continuum of materialism versus, you know, uh, motivation for, immaterial realities for, and for other people, I'm, I'm all about going the extreme opposite direction of materialism, you know, basing your life around the quest for status, the quest for money, the quest for, for, you know, material wealth. Those things are just traps. There's there's nothing good about that. And, And yet I think that we're all secretly motivated by those things more than we realize especially status. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about your new project, one of your new projects anyway, which I think might be your next film, which is Beware the Night. Yeah. Which has got a, such a fascinating premise, just for the, the reader and the listener. It's, uh, I think I'm right. It's a, a cop who accompanies exorcists. Yeah, and it's based on a real guy. You yeah, know, this this real guy, Ralph Sarchi, who who I've I've gotten to know and have spent time with. Um, uh, you know, tough, foul-mouthed Italian South Bronx police sergeant. Yeah. you know who who who's worked uh, the four six district in the South Bronx, which is you know the FBI calls it the most dangerous square mile in America. Yeah. I mean it's a it's a real shithole that place. <laughs> and uh, and he uh, and you know through a series of events he ended up you know going from being totally non-religious lapsed Catholic to mm. the guy who you know the, the, who goes to investigate possible paranormal activity in people's homes and, and yeah. cases of possession and, and is, and, you know, not, and spent on many years of his life as a, as a, an assistant during the practices of exorcism that had been authorized by the church in New York. It sounds like a really kind of intriguing idea and also like it might be a kind of a bit of a clash of genres that you might have sort of it's, no, it's no definitely that. Yeah. There. Yeah. It, 
It's definitely that that was that was Jerry Bruckheimer's, you know, yeah. uh, when he hired me to first work on the script that, you know, he said, I want to make Serpico meets the exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's just the coolest sounding thing I've ever yeah. heard. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So how, how far are you with that project? Are you, are you is that definitely going to be your next directing uh, project? I, I would I would say definitely, but um, but it's my experience in the business that once you say that it goes away. So yeah. I'm not going to actually say that. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, it, it looks very likely that that'll be my next one. And and we've cast uh, Eric Bana in the in the lead role, who is the actor I really wanted. Yeah, he, he has a lot of the qualities that are this this guy, um, you know, and uh, and uh, it's it's going to be great. I mean, I definitely want to see that film now, especially as you've d- described it as Serpico uh, meets The Exorcist. Did you say? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, quickly before I go, though, you've also got a film out that you've written, which Atom Egoyans directed, The Devil's Knot. Yeah. Um, which is a kind of a, more of a sober film, really, isn't it? Based on the West Memphis Three. When, it, it is that when, indeed. When when you wrote that, did did you write that as a kind of repost to Emily Rose in a way? Uh, to, I did. You know, I, was, I, I wrote it to direct it. I was planning on directing yeah. the movie, and I wanted to. You know, I really wanted coming off of Emily Rose. I was very happy with Emily Rose. I really loved that film. Mm. I think one of the things that surprised me was, you know, um, even though I find the movie pretty even-handed, my writing partner on both that movie and on Devil's Knot is, you know, is an agnostic and, and I, and I feel like the movie's, a, 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 you know, not an unbiased, uh, or weighted clash of, of, you know, faith versus reason and, 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 or faith versus science even. And, um, and even though I find, don't find those things incompatible at all, I, I really was surprised at, at how many people, critics, and especially and probably just because critics tend to be, you know, liberal and non-religious, but I, but I was surprised at how much um, there was, you know, uh, uh, how much offense was taken by certain people that the movie, the movie dared to, you know, take the demonic seriously. Mm. And I, I didn't mind that. I mean, I think that says more about a critic who writes that than, than the movie, but but it, but I also understood, you know, why it's a sore point, and it's a sore point because um, because terrible things can happen when people take the devil too seriously, mm. and the West Memphis Three case is, is the case in point. Yeah. So for me, I think I wanted to make what was essentially a counterpoint, you know, or a sure. complementary film to Emily yeah. Rose, which which was, you know, a movie that that um, really represented religion in America and how, um, you know, when it, when things like belief in the devil and, and, uh, and these kind of more extreme religious concepts infect what is meant to be a very clean, you know, uh, purely logical process like police investigations, like the judicial Mm. um, process. Once, once you have, have, religion and religious bias entering into that process it just infects everything mm. and um and terrible things can result you know and injustices can result and 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 you know what we what we saw in that case really was a, a kind of modern day salem witch trial yeah yeah were you ever kind of accused of contributing to the any kind of moral panic over satanic ritual abuse with emily rose 
No, nobody really thought that because I think, you know, I, by the time Emily Rose came out, um, that had all passed. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the satanic ritual abuse um, craze was, was really the, the late 80s and, and the early 90s. And I think that, yeah. the, you know, the Martin case did a lot to uh, ultimately expose you know the the nonsense that that all of that was mm. and and I think by the time you know it, it, once you're in a post nine eleven world, all that stuff it seems as silly as Alice Cooper, you yeah. know I mean it's just mm. it just doesn't seem like anything that anyone it's kind of hard to believe that people were taking it seriously and and um and even in retrospect it there's nothing realistic or frightening or menacing about it it's just it just seems like it's ridiculous get the kids pack the car we have to leave here now friday night frights well that's it for tonight's friday night frights but don't forget you can reach me via the starburst website or on twitter at starburst underscore mag until next time stay, stay scared, scared. You're right. Yeah. <laughs>